Okay, feel like you're going in circles. Every day, every season, every puzzle piece. Now, I, I need to give a disclaimer right off the bat. Children, okay, eyes up front, kids, kids, everybody listening, kids, do not try this at home. This was done with, with, with paid stunt professionals, all right, in a, in a, a, a closed track. You know, don't try this at home, okay? Stay away from the clothes dryer. Everybody hear that? Yeah? Moms, you'll probably need to revisit that. My apologies. Just adding to the, uh, the, the joy of motherhood, right? All right. We, 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 we uh, skewed that one that way just in special recognition of moms. We thought about the times, the season, the, the poetry of Ecclesiastes 3. Ecclesiastes 3 says that there's a time for everything, and it it goes through the cycle of life, and it almost sounds like a a tick-tock, tick-tock of a daily clock, back and forth, this day, that day, morning, evening, tomorrow, next day, never ends. More laundry? There's more to do. There's always more to do, and you might wonder what difference did today really make? In the bigger scheme of things, where did this little puzzle piece fit? It's more puzzle than anything else. And you wonder, does it really matter? Well, in the big scheme of things, it does. There's a time for everything. All of these things that are part of life, and yet we have a God. It's an intriguing thing that's going on here in chapter 3. We have a God who is putting all of these pieces, all of the things that there is time for. All of those go together into something bigger, a purpose that God is moving us toward. The circle is going around, and as that circle goes around, it's coming to God's conclusion that we then live faithfully in today. We live faithfully today, just in the midst of today, this day, knowing that God's restoration will be realized in his time. You see, some of the things of today, things we talked about this morning, a family gathered together in grief, those are the things of life, aren't they? Ecclesiastes speaks to that, and it says that's part of our experience, and all of those things go together in God's bigger, restoring, redemptive purpose. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 3. You know, it's an interesting thing I mentioned going on in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, God is mentioned one time. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, God is mentioned two times, only at the end of the chapter, in a restatement of, 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 of truth. However, in chapter 3, all of a sudden, God comes to the forefront. In Ecclesiastes 3, God is mentioned seven times. There's a couple of chapters in the book where all of a sudden we seem to lift our eyes up above life under the sun and take a bigger view of life. And that's what's happening in Ecclesiastes 3. Chapter 1 told us that life is bent. Life has been twisted. It has been broken. It's not what it was supposed to be. Can it ever be straightened again? And it can. Only God can straighten it. Chapter 2 tells us, tells us that life is futile, that life in the things that life offers under the sun cannot satisfy. And yet, is there anything that does satisfy? And the end of chapter 2 told us that at, going back to grabbing hold of God's original creative purpose 
for humanity is the way that we already in the present now, in this feudal now, step into, take our first step, take our first experiences of our future eternity. That we can live in something of God's redemption. We can live in something of God's restoration even today, even while the coat hanger is still bent. All right? Now chapter 3. Chapter 3 picks up that anticipation of the future in the midst of present futility. A puzzle, the pieces of a puzzle, the days of our lives, if I can grab a soap opera, and life seems like a soap opera at times, the the shadows and the brightness, those things fit together. And he describes that in a poetic way in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Let me read the first eight verses of Ecclesiastes 3. I want us to see here that today, this day, whatever this day is, and you'll find yourself different places in these verses, but today is part of something bigger. Verses 2 to 8, or rather 1 through 8 of Ecclesiastes 3. If you're following along in a pew Bible, the Bible in front of you this morning, then you'll find us on page 473. 473. Ecclesiastes Chapter 3, verse 1. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them again, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up what is lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak up, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Contrast back and forth and in that poetry grabbing hold of the various ups and downs and the weave and woof of everyday life. And these are our experiences, aren't they? Let me unpack just a couple of them, try to put them into some of today. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot. I found uh, some plants in the corner of our yard the other day. And, and I said, what's that? And Julie says, those are blackberries. I said, ooh, blackberries. We could have just a nice little corner of blackberries, right? (laughs) It's a time to uproot. (laughs) There's a time to uproot, and when blackberries show up, that's the time. There's a a time to weep and a time to laugh. You know, Romans 12 tells us to, to rejoice with those who rejoice, and also to weep with those who weep. In the stuff of life, nothing is more meaningful than empathy, than the, than the coming alongside one of another, the community together in life through its ups and its downs. Rejoicing with those who rejoice. Celebrate. Some of you are looking towards graduation. Yes! And some of you are, are, are facing grief and weeping. We celebrated, in a sense, Doris Chapman's graduation from this church into the presence of the living God, and yet... It's also a time to weep, to not have her alongside. And there's many stories I still wanted to hear that I'll have to wait. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. I realize this is a Baptist church. I'm just reading what the Word says here, folks. 
interesting. Cultures all over the world. There's a time to, to there's a time to to mourn. There's a, there's a time to time to dance. Uh, cultures all over the world want to move to music, and and yet there's also a way to twist that, just like that coat hanger. That which is a good thing can be twisted. I remember when Prairie High School had to go to the point where they said, you know, we're not doing dances. You kids, the way that you're dancing, that is not right. We're not doing dances. And they had to stop the thing in order to regather, regroup, and return that school dance to what they wanted it to be instead of what it had become. It wasn't dancing that was the problem. It was what was happening in the dancing or how they were dancing that was the problem. Somebody described the way uh, I, I seem to move or dance to the music. And I shouldn't tell you that because now you're going to look up front sometime in the worship. It's just too much time in Africa. You know, you just, you move. White boy ain't got no rhythm, but still you got to move. <sighs> There's a, okay, while we're talking about dancing and youth, it says in verse 5, there's a time to embrace, and there's a time, there's a time to refrain from embracing, okay? We don't need to unpack that anymore, do we? It was just, there's a time not to embrace. There's a time when, when self-control and delayed gratification is a very good thing. And all the moms said, amen. All right, okay. Very practical in the rhythms of life here. There's a time to keep and there's a time to throw away. You know, it's funny. We, we rent storage cubicles that some people would consider an apartment, a living place. It's a time. That there, there's a time to keep stuff. Folks, there's a time to, to, to get rid of some stuff as well, stuff that, that holds us down. A time to love and a time to hate. There are things that we need to hate. There's a time for war. There's also a time for peace. This song, whether you heard, turn, 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 became popular in the early 60s. It became a ballad for peace in the midst of the ramp up of the Vietnam War. There's a time for peace. I, he said, I know it's not too late. We long for peace, don't we? Time for all of these things. You know, if we push that a little more into our life experience, I, I wrote a poem for mothers. Not only can your pastor sing John Lennon, he can write poetry for mothers as well. All right? So Ecclesiastes 3 for mom. You have this on your sermon notes, by the way, on the back side of your sermon notes. I knew you would want to take it with you. Let me read it for you. Ecclesiastes 3 for mom. There's a time for diapers and a time for depends. There's a time for teething and a time for braces. There's a time for a car seat and a time for a license. A time for muddy footprints and a time for polished floors. A time for loads of laundry and a time for empty closets. A time to have faith and a time to believe. A time for butterflies and a time for a bride. A time to pick up socks and a time for grandbaby booties. A time to scream for silence and a time to crave the clamor. There's a time to yell, why won't you grow up? And a time when the silence whispers, I did. There's a time to lift up out of the crib and a time to be lifted out of your bed. That's the real stuff of life. We are in the midst of it. Your puzzle piece might be pink and flowery. Your puzzle piece might be dark and shadowy 
But in the midst of any and all of those times that are working together into God's whole, in the midst of this time, it's part of something bigger. This day, today, is a time for something bigger. We're in danger of rushing on after some future goal. We are in danger of missing God being very at work today. What I would urge you moms, what that poem would suggest, take time for today. It's not just for moms, it's for dads too, isn't it? Take time for today. If you're young and you're in a hurry to grow up, take time for today. The relationships and the lessons and the learning and the opportunity that you have now. You're older. You're retired. You look back on what was. Take time for today. We can't live back there. We can live in today. What does God have for me now, here? We are, we are a future-oriented people sometimes, or sometimes maybe we're a past-oriented people, but God has set us in this day. This day is part of something bigger, and we need to take time for today. He unpacks that poetry. He unpacks those verses in verses 9 through 11. In verses 9 to 11, let me read them. What does the worker gain from his toil? What's the purpose of all this? These ups and downs, ins and outs, all around. It seems like we're going in circles. It's dizzying. What's the point? What's the purpose? What is all of this for? And after the seventh load of laundry today, you're wondering that, right? What is all this for? What does the worker gain from his toil? I've seen the burden that God has laid on men, and he did. That's a true statement. God has laid a burden on humanity. In the fall, we want to know good and evil. We want to contrast. We want to know it all. We want to experience it. And so God says, all right. Well, here's the burden that you have requested. Here's the burden that is laid upon you. And in the midst of life, we know the twisted coat hanger. In the midst of life, we know that which has been broken. In the midst of life, we know the evil as well as the good. There's a burden. It's only from, from the sweat of our brow that we will, we will raise our, our food, our sustenance from the dust of the ground. You know, Adam was given to till the soil. He, Adam was given to care for the garden even before the fall. He was given work. But it was different. And it wasn't from the very sweat and effort and hard labor that he would receive his food. No, every tree in the garden was given to him. It was picnic with God day after day, relating with God and representing God to creation. I've seen the burden that God has laid on men, verse 9. He has made everything beautiful in its time. The puzzle will be finished. The picture will be complete. Everything will be beautiful in its time, even if we don't see it yet. He has set eternity into the hearts of men. We long for it. We want the more. We want the bigger picture. How many times have you heard in the midst of trouble? But why would God, why do we ask that? Because God has set eternity in our hearts. We know it's supposed to be better. We know that we were made for more than this futility. That's why Ecclesiastes rings true even if we try to figure it out. What does this mean? God has set eternity in our hearts, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. We can't figure it out. It's a puzzle to us. All we can do is nibble around the edges of God's bigger picture 
One man said, humans are bound by time. We are bound by time, but we are wired for eternity. God has set eternity in our hearts. He made us for something more than this. Let that hunger provoke you. Let it push you a little bit, looking for what more that God has made us. If today is part of something bigger than in today, in the midst of today, I can step into, by faith, something bigger even in the midst of this futility. All right? Today is bigger than just the troubles of it. So even in the midst of the troubles of this day, those troubles, that futility of today, which is real, and I don't want to make light of that, but the futility of today is the very place where I will exercise faith. That is the touchstone of faith, where it doesn't make sense, where it doesn't come together, where I don't see how this piece fits into the bigger picture. That's where I will trust God and do what's right anyway. And now I am stretching and exercising faith in the midst of the futility of the present moment. That's, that's what verses 12 to 15 suggest to us. Let me read a couple of verses there, starting from verse 12. I know there's nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live. Now, you just took that just as it was. You could say, well, you might as well eat, drink, for tomorrow you die. Nothing more to life than that. But there's more than that. He said, it is a good thing for men to eat and to drink is a good thing, there's nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in his toil. This is the gift of God. And everything that God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken away. God does it so that men will worship him. So God has given us to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in our toil. Those words were echoed at the end of chapter 2, weren't they? And I suggested then that what we were made for in creation, Ecclesiastes harkens back to Genesis chapter 3. In creation, we were made before the fall to relate with God. In the midst of the garden, with every good thing provided for us to eat and drink, to enjoy that in relationship with God, and then in the work of caring for the garden and of caring for creation, even in the naming of the animals, humanity was made as God's regents over the earth. Humanity were made to be the kings and queens of the earth to represent God to the rest of creation. And there is where we find fulfillment in the midst of futility. There is where I will live by faith even in the midst of the futile that I will still relate to God even when I don't see him, Job says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job was dealing with a dark puzzle piece. Job was dealing at a time when it didn't make sense, and there in that futile, that's where he exercised faith. I don't see it. I don't understand it, and yet, maybe I could put it in the words of Frank Sinatra, I'm not going to sing. If I can worship here, I can worship anywhere. Isn't it interesting that God didn't set us in the best of circumstances to make worship as easy as possible? Nope. In the difficulties of life, when life feels like a tumble dryer and you're on the inside looking out, there, there, in the midst of all the bumps and turning, there I will 
worship. That's faith in the midst of the futility. Today is a part of something bigger. Today is where futility will meet faith. Remember I said before that it's only in this life, it's only in the midst of the futile, it's only in the midst of the broken, it's only here and now that we have the opportunity to exercise our ability, our capacity to walk by faith. This is where we grow. You talk about, you've heard about growing up as a Christian. Sometimes we, re, we, we understand that merely in terms of the things that I do and don't do. That that was what it means. To grow as a Christian means to have a better ordered lifestyle. To grow as a Christian is to grow in faith. To grow as a Christian is to strengthen, to stretch my capacity to trust God, to relate to God, and thus to represent him to the rest of his creation, including all the other miserable humans that I'm around. That's what it is to grow. And does that then affect change in our character? Does that affect change in our conduct? Absolutely. But the do and don't do is not the central part at all. That's simply some of what is recognized on the outside for the growing capacity to trust God in the midst of the rubble that I will only grow and I will only walk by faith in this life. I will only walk by faith in this futility. I long for the day when faith will be sight. That's not this day. I don't see it yet. I've got puzzle pieces. And they don't make a lot of sense, all of them. And yet, in this day, I will determine. This is where futility meets faith. I will meet the futility with faith. I will trust God that his purpose is coming, that God does make all things beautiful in his time. Finally, today, if today is in the futility, today is where we exercise faith, but today is not meant to be enough. It won't satisfy you. Some of you labored hard. Some of you went out yesterday late afternoon thinking about the perfect Mother's Day gift or a late flower arrangement or or something. And your worst fears are with all of that well-planned late-in-the-day effort that the gift won't quite satisfy. Right? It'll be, ah, it was nice, thanks. And you can just see it. No, missed it. Hopefully mom's a good pretender. But life doesn't satisfy. And let me let you in on a little secret. We are meant to find fulfillment. We are meant to pursue fulfillment already in relating with God and representing him to those around us. That's our best chance at it. And yet, in this life, you will not fully find it. We will taste it. We will nibble around the edges, but we will not fully experience the fullness that we were made for until the puzzle picture is complete, until the time circles around to the time where God has made everything beautiful, and he will. Verse 15 says, what has already been done Whatever has already has been, and what will be has been done before, but God will call the past to account. What's that say? God, God will gather up the past, is the actual Hebrew. God is going to gather it up, and he's going to bring that along too. Today matters. And even when today is yesterday, when today is gone, it will still have mattered. And God is going to gather that up and bring that into eternity. 
Verse 16, today is futile. I saw something under the sun, the place of judgment, there was wickedness. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. Things aren't as they're supposed to be. Have we heard that in Ecclesiastes before? We have, haven't we? Things aren't as they're supposed to be. And yet, I thought in my heart, God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. God will bring it all together. It's not yet, and it's not enough. It's not yet right. It's not yet fair. It's not all good. And yet, it will be. He makes all things beautiful in his time. That gets us looking to the future. I don't want us, in looking to the future, I don't want us to neglect to look at today. Because while he makes all things beautiful, that is an ongoing process that God is at work in, in you and I, and through you and I toward others today. Take time for today. Live faithfully in today, knowing that God's restoration will be realized in his time. You know one of the things Ecclesiastes 3 points to? The only other time in Scripture that I can find this time and season joined together is in Acts chapter 1. The disciples asked Jesus and asked, asked Jesus in Acts chapter 1, Lord, is now the time after your resurrection? Is this the time when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is now the time when everything that's wrong is going to be made right? And Jesus says to you, said to them, and he says to us, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority. It's fixed. It's set. God is working his plan, and from that we gain strength. He will make all things beautiful in his time. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 backs it up. He has already been doing that, that in the fullness of time, at the right time, there was, a, there was a time to be born and a time to die. There was a time for the Savior to be born. There was a time for the Savior to die in that he might redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption of sons. There's a purpose. And we haven't seen the full outworking of that purpose yet. But you see, in the fullness of time, God is at work. And there's one more time verse I want to share with you, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6. And this verse takes us back to today. God says, in the day of salvation, I helped you. I heard you. In the time of my favor, favor, sorry, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I have helped you. And then Paul says, people. Speaking to a church some time ago, God's speaking to our church today. Now is that accepted time. Now is that time of God's favor. Now is the day of God's mercy. Now is the day of salvation. We live today. We don't know about tomorrow. We don't know what's coming tomorrow. We know God's end game. He's told us a lot about that. But we don't know a whole lot about the road between here and there. But I'm in today. I've got today. You've got today. You've got today to love. You've got today to embrace. You've got today to encourage. You've got today to lift somebody up. You've got today to speak up or to be silent. You've got today to, to rejoice or to weep. We've got today. We've got others around us. 
And it, it may be even for you that today is, as he said, that day of salvation. Maybe today is a day for you to grab hold of that, you know, I'm here with mom because that makes mom happy. I, I, I did things like that going to church with mom long before I knew Jesus. But there came a day that was God's day and it was my day. It was, as that verse said, a day of salvation for me. God does that right in the midst of time. This could be your day. It wouldn't be for mom. It would be for you, and it would be for the God who loved you and gave himself for you, who has given his mercy in a day that we would have life today and in eternity. I'm going to invite you to, to pray with me. And if you sense that in one way or another, maybe it's just in grabbing hold of God's mercy, maybe it's in taking the next step in God's mercy, living by faith in the midst of something that seems futile, got a dark puzzle piece, or maybe it's, maybe it is a day of salvation day. Maybe that's what today is supposed to be, this day that we're in. If it is, I would invite you to pray with me. Please bow our heads together. Father, we come to you grateful, Lord, for today. We come to you thanking you that you have given us this day. Lord, whether it's a day to first know you as Savior, the Lord Jesus, who died for us. Father, if there is someone here this morning that that is their greatest need. Heard it many times, but there hasn't been the day when they believed in Jesus for themselves. Lord, would that be this day? Would they believe right now, except in their heart, Jesus Christ is the one who died for them to bring them into your presence, free of all guilt and sin and shame. And Father, then, in faith, in your eternity, in faith that you will make all things beautiful in its time, Lord, whatever this day holds, would you help us to live in it, in relationship with you, representing you. Father, to live by faith in the present day as part of the whole you've given us. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.